This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching Fanboy. 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 Fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. Dot, I assume Tom. You know, every once in a while, we get to have some fun talking about health food, health care, uh, people get, getting involved in taking care of themselves better. And there's no better place to start doing that in the kitchen. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jennifer Peters and Matthew Clayton. We are talking about the Good Flower Company. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, and they're going to f- help me figure out how to get past my lactose intolerance as like a sidebar conversation. Anything we can do to help, right? <laughs> yeah, because they sit there and like, oh, we have ice cream and then we have, you know, uh, what's it called? You know, cookies and milk or whatever else. Oh, can't have any of it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And if you can, yeah. then I know it's not real milk or dairy, so. Or it's exactly. milk. So. Exactly. There are some good substitutions out there for dairy these days. That's the nice thing. People have been working on that one for a while. And so, but it's all about replacing things nicely, isn't it? Finding something that's satisfying and satiating and still feels like you're not cutting out ice cream from your life. I felt the same way about gluten, obviously. So, Well, you are the founder of NextGen, J-E-N, which I love the fact that your name is included in this. <laughs> there were so many corrections to, uh, how do I email you, NextGen? I'm like, no, no, it's a J. <laughs> So that was always a challenge, but I'm quite happy that we've rebranded. Well, I I like the good flower company. I think that's a great name. No GMOs, gluten-free products. You know, this is, this is high quality nutritional content that, that we're going through. A lot of people started exercising during the pandemic, losing a bunch of weight. A lot of people went the other way. So maybe you can help with that. Well, we are all about helping you eat clean and and still have a I mean you want to eat nicely you can't stick to a diet that you don't enjoy that like that's the hardest part and not that this is just a diet it's kind of like for me it it keeps me going eating properly and so just proper taking care of yourself avoiding the things that don't agree with you eating the things that are good for you finding good substitutions finding good exciting food to cook every day of your life you know I've seen that meme if I thought the hardest thing in my life would have been choosing what to cook for dinner for the rest of my life, I would have studied something else. <laughs> Obviously, that wasn't a chef. <laughs> <laughs> the, the funny thing with you guys, though, is like you will have a dinner party, whether it's chefs or bakers, and then you'll invite people over and then you'll think about making something and then disappear throughout the event just to test stuff out. Not you personally, but there's a bunch of you that do do that. You mean when a dinner party turns into a recipe test? Basically, yes. <laughs> That's a good dinner party, though. That is a good. That is a good dinner party. You're like, I, I might just have to go whip that up. I'll be right back. Right. Until you're the guinea pig and realize that it's like five notches too hot for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've been so, the guinea pig. <laughs> so how did how did you two connect with with each other for the Good Flower Company? And then what was the catalyst? Was it celiac disease? Was it family members that had celiac disease that made you want to worry about alternatives for gluten free uh, uh, flour and dietary restrictions? I can answer part of that. Okay, uh, I'll answer the part about what got me going. Um, I, I realized I had a, a lot of skin conditions and a lot of, very similar to eczema, 
or eczema and just always the itching and the dry skin and the blistering and, and that kind of thing. And it was hard to work as a chef in the kitchen. You always reacting to the soaps and this and that on top of the problem that's already existing. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And of course I said, Oh, maybe it's dairy. Maybe it's my soap. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Finally, when I took gluten out, I was about three days into an elimination test and I realized that's it. That's the big one for me. I cannot eat gluten. It doesn't agree with me. Every time I eat it, I start with being itchy and end up being sick. So it was a, and then as a chef, it was like, okay, well, I can still make all those great things. I just can't eat them. And that was for me just, it was a total, like, like I like to say, it was very frustrating. And then it was very motivating. So. And what becomes the first alternative flour, uh, you know, for flour, is it almond flour at this point? Is it soy? Because soy was the big go-to for a little while. Pea proteins. Like how does this come about? I wanted something that replaced wheat completely because if you're a chef and you know how to roll a pasta and bake a bread and make a cookie and make a dumpling and thicken a sauce with that same one ingredient, you still want to have just one ingredient that's, and so I, I immediately started teaching myself to bake and therefore blend a flour. So it came out of my need to still bake and my desire to still eat delicious food. (laughs) And Matthew, what about yourself? Similar situation with, with uh, health issues regarding it, or you just wanted to lose 20 pounds and look good on the beach? Since you have fabulous hair, you silver fox. Hey, I mean, I would, I would say, I would love to say that I could lose 20 pounds and be on the beach just by Jen's cooking, which is probably, probably true. Um, she is a fabulous, fabulous cook. No, for me, um, you know, I spent the last 25 years uh, as an entrepreneur in many kind of disruptive industries where things are being disrupted and technology is coming in to, to replace things. And I've always been drawn towards those type of businesses. I'm also a foodie and a, and a wino and I love it. Uh, I love the culinary world, but for me, food is really the essence of, of living and life. Um, everything for me revolves around that because it involves bringing people together. When I saw the line that Jen and her partner Hamid had put together and built you know, I was really intrigued because, you know, Jen started off with um, a health condition and she found a a solution. She wanted to share that solution with people. Jen is a chef. So who is she going to share this with? Other chefs, other people in the restaurant industry. And that's how they built their business, which is you know, the DNA of her creation was an all-purpose flour that you could use in everything. But then what happened is Jen developed uh, other products for other people. So going into Pancakes and waffles, fried chicken, pizza, pasta, doing pizza shells, doing a gluten-free bun. And they built a really amazing business with most of the focus solely on restaurants and the food service industry. When I saw what they had done, it's a classic case of entrepreneurialism where you can only get to a certain level and then to grow, you're going to need people and you're going to need money. And it doesn't matter how good your product is, you can't scale And I've been a part of doing that with other companies where we've come in and found really great brands and really great people who are doing amazing things. But how do you now scale a business? So that's why I got involved. I've been involved in health and wellness for a long time in all different categories. So while this is about food, it's also a health and wellness play. Both of my children uh, that are now 13 and 10 had different allergies uh, growing up uh, as babies and infants. 
And you see what that's like as a parent because you're constantly battling, how do I put nutrition in my child? And you're watching skin issues, you're watching digestive issues. So I think that anyone, you don't have to have children to identify with that. Like anyone who has had issues with food and eating knows the struggle it can be. So I see this as, yes, a food play, but also a health, health and wellness play. And my driving position now is helping Jen and Amita and our team take this now to the consumer directly. So it's being used by these incredible chefs in their own kitchens and restaurants. Well, now we need to let people use that in their kitchens to cook with it. One last thing I'd say, Rob, what I really love about what Jen has done is everything is super easy to use. And complexity for people who know how to cook is one thing, but for people who aren't confident, cooking can be very intimidating. So they're all pre-spiced, pre-seasoned, sweet and savory. They're one-to-one, they're very easy to use, but Jen has also done an amazing job of of, of, uh, partnering these with recipes so that you know what you're doing. So I just love where we're going. Um, love her, love, love Hamid and love what we have now to start to share with people. Well, you had me at pre-sliced because, you know, if it's me <laughs> cooking, finger foods take on a whole different meaning at that point. Yes. Yeah. Oh, cause I'll be missing a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so everything that goes along with this, you, you had the health issues, you try to solve it yourself and, and go that route. Um, and both of you, you know, being in the kitchen or being, you know, in health and wellness, we've seen so many prepackaged items that have come about, you know, where I'd look at, and I don't want, I don't want to name names of any of them, but like the sports bars, you know, and the healthy sports bars. And then I read the calorie content and then the sugar content. And it's like, well, how are you healthy when you taste awful and you have the same amount of calories and sugar that a Snickers bar has when I could have gotten the Snickers bar instead? Yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Jen. I was going to say one of the important things, we were talking about food replacement. And when, when you take dairy out of your diet, you look for something calcium rich so you can replace well. And when we looked at replacing flour, my first concern, actually, my first step was to go to the store and look for stuff I could buy. And it was all twice the carbs, none of the nutrition. I was like, there's no fiber. There's no, there's no vitamins. There's no iron. There's, but I'm already deficient because if I'm a celiac, I've been years without absorbing my nutrition. So my body is in trouble looking for good stuff and I'm going to feed it empty carbs. <clears throat> it just didn't, it's like saying I'm going to be a vegetarian, but just eat candy bar. Like, like you say, the Snickers, it's not a good replacement. So that's what also was part of the big thing for me was getting, you know, millet and buckwheat and good things and fiber in the flour so that when you bake, sure, you're going to have a birthday cake, but it's not just carbs and Everything we make, well, we have one cake mix and it has sugar in it, but the sugar is actually quite on the low side so that if you want to put an icing and make it super sweet and do something very luxurious, very out there, because it's a celebration, you can, but for the most part, everything is, everything else is no sugar at all. So you can add what you can have, right? You can't have dairy. We don't have dairy. You can add it if you can have it. Same with nuts. We don't have, so it's really just... We wanted to keep it very easy to use, neutral, user friendly, and not, not just, but like, meaning I don't have any of the bad stuff in the flour. I have zero of the allergens that are out there. If you can have nuts, 
you can add that at home and everybody's safe, right? Because first and foremost with a celiac, you're always like, how can I eat well? But first and like, first, is it safe? And then how can I eat that something that tastes good? Well, I love that you're doing this for, for home consumers and people that want to cook at home. Cause I've been to the restaurants where they sit there and they say, Oh, we have this gluten free item or whatever else. And I give it a try, you know, gluten free pancakes. Cause why not? And then I think about it. I'm like, did you scrape the grill or did you scrape the griddle? Did you clean everything properly? Some places will ask you, is it a preference or is it an allergy? And my, my regard of that is why don't you just treat it like an allergy? So it's safe. So you don't have to worry about going back and forth between this just because the product might be gluten-free could still get cross-contaminated. Absolutely. Well, and I think, I think you just nailed on something that's really interesting. I mean, until you've had issues with food and you feel that your health or your safety is at risk, some people don't have to live that way. They can eat anything. They don't worry about it. They can come and go as they please from restaurants or their own kitchen, but people who have serious allergies uh, and have autoimmune response, uh, such as, say, celiac, you know, it's it's a, a very different world. Also, the other thing that, you know, we've seen across the North American and European markets is if you or I or, or Jennifer are gluten intolerant, should we have to pay more for our food because it's now gluten-free? I mean, there's so much that's happening in the space, Rob. It's very, very interesting. Your comment about protein bars and the fitness bars um, I know quite a bit about that. I, I've been through some of those industries firsthand. And, and I think really what's happening is people have to start being the CEO of their own health. Or really not trying to be fancy here, but you really got to be in charge of your own health. No one else is going to look after it for you. So look after yourself. And that means people can't be lazy with labels and they can't be lazy with their choices. But unfortunately, People are lazy with, they make, with the, the way they make food choices, and people don't look at ingredients. And you're very correct. If you look at a lot of the bars in the market, or you look at juices in the market, you look at the amount of sugar that you're consuming in some of these products that can be hidden behind plant-based or non-this or non-that. So I think it's just really important. For viewers, remember, read what's in the products you're buying and understand them. What we do with our products is we list all of our ingredients. They're all on our website. You can see why Jen made the substitutions and why she made them so they have nutrition involved in our mixes. They're not just simply gluten-free, but it's actually like a superfood blend. And that's what's so interesting. And you are right. Predominantly in the past, gluten-free has not tasted well. No. It's been more expensive. It doesn't cook well or hold up to heat, falls apart. And that's just not the case anymore, especially with a product line like ours. The taste is fantastic. They're easy to use. And it is blending nutrients. So you have nutritional value in how you're trying to feed yourself. Um, there, there's one thing that I, I used to hear, uh, you know, older people, you know, the uh, the greatest generation, people that were the World War II generation that would say, if I can't pronounce it, I'm not eating it. So when we look at the contents of certain things and there's a million different ingredients in there of which 90% of them we can't pronounce. And then on top of it, bread sits on the shelf for three months instead of four okay. days, like you know, is this something that we should be paying extra attention to? I mean, obviously the answer is yes, but like, 
how do we get around that? Because if we go to the supermarket, there's so much that's permeated with this stuff. Like, you know, and I don't want to pick on any specific brands because it's not fair to them because they might have, yep. you know, whatever their their business model is. But, you know, things of that sort. So, like, I'm, I'm scared when bread lasts for a month and a half. Yeah. We actually had this funny example of that happening. We had uh, brought some samples to a chef and they left them on their rack and roll, which means they left them out at room temperature beside all their other samples. And if uh, they put some in the freezer or the fridge, they were going to toast them and use them because it was a burger bun sample. And then they left some sitting out and they're like, the ones that don't go bad, we're not considering to take. And I was like, well, that's fantastic because that means it has a ton of preservatives in it if it can sit out there. And really, I mean, we don't need that. Sure, it's got a better shelf life, but we don't need that in our bodies, right? So we want to always be a little bit cautious and say, you know what, the most natural choice I have, the millet flour, the buckwheat flour, the brown rice flour, so the things I know what they are, I can I can associate it with a plant or where it grew or how it's made. If I can look it up and find, you know, this looks like this plant, then I know I've, I've got a real ingredient. Like I say, good food comes from good ingredients. Right. If I'm going to make you beet salad, it's going to be from the best beets that come from, you know, the ground. <laughs> so so we know what they are and we know also you're going to have delicious food and it's going to turn out well and you're going to have the nutrition from it because that's what we need from our food. Not we need it to taste good, but we also need it to give us something. Right. So it, it's not just that it's beets. It's actual real beets, not beet color, you know, yeah. whatever the color code is on the pink chart when you go to Home Depot. Okay. <laughs> We've got to make sure, you know, dyes, preservatives, everything else, you know, you're going one healthy route and then the other, you know, uh, like, you know, Matt was mentioning with, um, you know, and you, Jennifer, you were mentioning, you know, removing the fat out of something. Now you have this non-fat milk and then you see the sugar content. You might as well get the full fat milk because the sugar content is worse with the non-fat product. Right. 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 And, and you would know that because of course you've read all the dairy dairy replacement labels in the world, I'm sure. Um, you, you have to after a while, yeah. You literally have to. You have to just check. Like, does this have anything I can't have? Does this have anything my family can't have? Does this does this replace? Does this work in my house for everybody? See, and people don't need just a solution for my one issue. If I'm going to make pancakes for me and my nephews, they have to be gluten free for me, gluten free for one of them, egg free for another one. And dairy-free for, for my sister-in-law. So that's everybody. We're all having pancakes and we made them with bananas. Are we going to make waffles? And everybody can have it. And it's one solution for everyone. Instead of just being like, oh, I'm going to make this for one of my kids. I'm going to make this for one of my nephews. Because we want a solution that works for the home, right? For your house. Um, and it's already been tested in restaurants. So that gives you, should give you some confidence that it's going to work in your home. <laughs> Well, Matt, you came along from the business end. Jennifer, you started off with with the playing scientist and and go, <laughs> going where we were, where we are now. And I love I love that you two bounce out each other. You know, the business mind and the and the uh, and the chef on top of it. When you sit there, what after discovering the allergen aspect, what was the first you know alternative that you looked for? before going into the developmental stage for what you're producing now with the, with the good flour. I, we, like, like we okay, I can't take flour, wheat. So am I going to look at soy? Am I going to look at almond? Oh, am I going to look at, yeah, the replacements. What were the first replacements that you looked yeah. at? 
I literally brought every food product that was gluten-free into my house. My my house was my lab, actually. And it took me, you'll laugh, nine months to make the all-purpose flour. So when people say, oh, it was your baby, I, I laugh sometimes. I'm like, yeah, nine months of of recipe testing. At first, I was trying to make a scone, make a pound cake, make a couple things. I, I tried sorghum flour. I liked it, but it had a bit of bitterness, so I ruled it out. I also read that sorghum is sometimes hard for people to digest. So I chose a couple of things like the millet. Like I keep going back to millet because it's buttery, it's yellow, it's soft, it, it bakes really nice. It has a delicious flavor. It's kind of light. Um, I choose a little bit of buckwheat because not too heavy on the buckwheat, but we choose the hulled buckwheat so you get a nice, um, soft, kind of off-white flour from it. Um, and we take the hull off so you don't have that really hard fiber that makes it black and makes it taste like soba noodle, which I love soba noodle, but not when I'm making cake. Right. So you want to choose a good balance between, and that was what we did. We just literally tested and tested and tested until we had a flour that could make a pound cake, a cookie, a cake, you know, and then we got into pastas and dumplings and things like that. So we could say, okay, does it make everything? If we're going to call it an all purpose, does it, does it work for everything? So, um, yeah, my house was a lab for months. But I also think that, you know, Jen, in fairness to you, you, I know you like to kind of simplify it down, but the fact of the matter is it's very complicated. It's not an easy thing to do. You don't just take a bunch of ingredients and start blending things together and think, oh, this is going to work or this. I mean, there's a lot of thought process into um, how it's blended, quantities, ratios, and then your suppliers. So, you know, all cars are not the same. All lawyers are not the same. All right wise flour is not the same. And there's a big difference when you want quality and you need things to hold up and work well and perform well consistently. So it did take Jennifer uh, a long time to get to this place where we're at now, where we know that the products work, proof of concept is done. Now it's about scaling manufacturing and being able to play in not only Canada, but in the United States market as well at scale with you know people in their own kitchens and also re- restaurants uh, and the food service at scale as well. You know, I, I was going to ask you something that, that, uh, you know, and then of course it pops up on the website as one of the first things, fried chicken, because people forget about breading, you know, <laughs> uh, for the chicken or for chicken fried steak or, or anything else, you know, veal or whatever else. And I was going to like, do you have anything like that? And that's like the second thing that pops up on the website is the, is the fried chicken mix or, or the, you know, and you can use it for veal, I presume as well, or, or, you know, sure. any of the other meats. Like breading, almost anything. And, that was a another chef asked, can you make a fried chicken? So the answer was always like, we made an all-purpose. We can make a fried chicken, right? Because we just, it also, for those that don't want to work very hard but still want a delicious dinner, you can also shake and bake with it, right? Put it in the bag, shake and bake, chicken with legs. and But we use it for pan frying and deep frying, almost anything, and shaking, baking, almost anything. Cauliflower, chicken, whatever you want. It, that, but that's a fast and easy and fun one for people to just be able to quickly put something in the oven, right, and make a meal. So, uh, okay. Yeah, all of our most popular products are the pancake and waffle mix and the fried chicken mix, and then obviously the all-purpose flour, which becomes you know useful in so many different things. But 
those are the big sellers. Uh, and then along with our pizza crusts, uh, which we're very proud of. Janet's done an amazing job with Hamid in that area. And we are scaling our baking up now so that we can produce more gluten-free pizza shells um, in any size and any dimension that customers are, are looking to acquire. Now, Jen, your husband's Persian. Yes. And so white rice is a huge part uh, of an Iranian diet. And Asmati all the way. <laughs> yeah. Was it difficult to get him to try to start cooking things with brown rice as well? Or uh, you know, how I, does thing involves, uh, you know, evolve for him? Preference wise, I would say he loves basmati. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, we live in Vancouver. We love every kind of rice there is. Um, he will occasionally tease me that wild rice is not actually a rice. It's a different grain, which is a fact. Um, but yes, it, we do like to have basmati in our house. Um, <laughs> he's pontificating about wild rice while smoking hookah, telling you it's not really rice. What are you complaining about? <laughs> Actually, he'll be in the kitchen cooking too, because he's also a chef. Right, but you know. so he'll be making hormasabzi in the other room. Perfect. And I, you know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He loves to cook. He loves to bake as well. Um, but definitely, thank God, basmati is also gluten free because right. that's been a staple in my diet. <laughs> is, is there, you know, a hope? You know, Matt, you're the business guy behind this of franchising out the Good Flour Company to a local bakery. So now you could have the Good Flour Bakery, you know, popping up. Like we see the vegan bakeries, uh, you know, that don't cook anything over X amount of temperature to retain whatever the consistency is. I'm not a vegan expert, uh, obviously with that. But, you know, now that you guys could turn this into your own franchise bakery at some point. Well, that's very interesting. We haven't looked at ideas like that uh, for growing the brand, but really we have a, a, a pretty solid strategy with what we need to do with the business. And we're being very mindful of that and fairly disciplined with it. So we have a, we have an omni-channel approach, which is basically three pillars for us. And the first one that we're growing uh, starting basically next month is our direct-to-consumer sales on our website to start to get into some auto ship programs for people that want the products delivered to their home to use in the kitchen. So we're really starting to grow that side of who we are and, and are very excited about that as it'll go across in, into the United States from Canada where we're located, but also service Canada and uh, parts of Europe and Australia as well for those customers that are interested. The second one is growing our food service business into more restaurants um, and looking at franchise restaurants in the United States. I mean, the United States market um, it, the easiest way to think of the U.S. is basically almost 11 or 12 to 1 to Canada from a population standpoint, from just sheer volume. So it's a much bigger market. So we have to be prepared for that to go into some of the franchises that we like to work with. And then obviously retail is something that we are looking very heavily at. So we're looking at different retail opportunities for people in the grocery aisle where the product would sit. Um, but it, working with bakeries, we're working with pizza companies, cookie companies, you know, we're supporting anyone that needs a gluten-free flour and needs to work with it. And we don't care if they're a super small or medium size or a large, large business. We're just here to support people. And usually when they use the product and they start baking and cooking with it, they quickly realize this is something they're going to want to use. The only added complexity with bakeries is if they are truly cooking gluten-free or baking gluten-free, sorry, they've got to be very careful with their kitchens and how those are structured so that they can tell a consumer on the other end. Because 
it's one thing for a celiac to show up and say, I want to buy your gluten-free scones. It's another for someone who has some gluten and some sensitivities, but they're not going to get really sick, but they're not going to feel great. That pyramid that you've got to look at from top to bottom is quite severe. So um, that's the reason you don't see a lot of amazing bakeries suddenly having gluten-free everything on their shelf. They have their own challenges. So usually they have it made somewhere else and then brought in um, just to be careful with how they're handling gluten-free. So not to try to make it complicated, but it is a little complicated when you're talking about allergens in general and, and people. Right. Yeah, that's something that if I was going to do something that, like I mentioned, those places where they ask you if it's an allergy or a preference, you know, right. why not just treat it as an allergy so everybody's safe across the board? But, yeah. you know, you never know anybody's business model. That's their thing. So I can't judge them on that. Yeah, this is all about safety and liability. It's no different than my little one not being able to take a peanut butter sandwich in his lunch to school. Um, that wasn't the case when I was a young boy in the mid 70s in elementary school that didn't exist, but it does exist today. And we have seen allergies definitely on the incline um, for whatever reason. Um, it is truly becoming, if you're looking at children, where it was one in six, one in seven with an allergy, we're now one in three, one in four, and that seems to be increasing. So that's very interesting. And I think a lot of it has to do with the quality of the fruits and vegetables that we're growing, the quality of the meat that we're raising and how we're handling that meat, poultry, fish. Um, we're seeing the results of 20, 30, 40, 50 years of food evolution now uh, that's here. And um, I'm a big fan of growing your own food and learning to be the CEO of your own health once again, because I think it's very important to do so. You know, before I let you two go, and I thank you so much for your time today, you know, I'm a child of the eighties, you know, graduated high school and college in the nineties, well, graduated high school in the nineties and then early two thousands from university. Uh, So I'm dating myself, but we ended up with the food pyramid where they made the base foundation, all carbohydrates and, you know, come to find out that it should have been inverted the way it was. And that's where we had the rise of obesity, especially with, you know, I blame the preservatives more so than than the carbohydrates themselves, but everything that comes along with it. How do you rectify that now, 40 years later, when it was first initiated in the late seventies and early eighties to be the CEO of our own health and get back to, you know, not necessarily, you know, nuts and berries foraging in the forest from 150,000 years ago, but to a sustainable, healthy diet that we could achieve even while traveling. Yeah. Oh, you're on mute, Jen. Yeah. Sorry, it was loud before. Um, one of the things that just happened recently, and it was kind of exciting in the health uh, department here in Canada or in the health world, um, all the nutritionists I know were super happy to see that pyramid here in Canada has been turned to a plate and half the plate is veggies. And they're always like half your plate, half your plate, half your plate should be veggies. So to remind us, like get something and good grains and good nutrition and finding the right thing. So you're always, if you look at it and you say like, there's vegetables on my plate, I ate salad, I ate tomatoes, and I had this as my, as my protein and this as my grain then you're doing good again. You know what I mean? It's just about looking at it and saying, okay, if I, if I choose good ingredients, I will have good, better health, increase my health, but having a plate instead of a pyramid, everybody was quite excited about this little diagram changing because it did tip the, it tipped it. So you could look at it and say, yeah, you know what? If I just look at my plate and say, is at least half of this, the good stuff, 
you know, absolutely helps me remember. And I don't know. I thought it was a great little diagram change. Well, Rob, I mean, your question is a two hour podcast (laughs) on the political side of food. (laughs) I think it's completely fascinating though, of where we have arrived um, through fast food and how our grocery aisles are marketed and commercialized and how we are growing fruits and vegetables and how we're importing from other countries and what we do in our own countries. I think it's fascinating. I do think that people are eating too fast and they're eating too much and we need to slow down um, and enjoy food more. And some people live to eat and some people, you know, eat to live. And there's a couple of different ways. I think you have to have a good relationship with food and uh, there's a lot of psychology around that. But I think ultimately you have to do your own research um, and and realize that uh, the more processed things you're eating, probably the more trouble you're going to find yourself in eating whole foods truly. And, you know, we don't, um, we're not, some of us in our team are, are vegans, some are vegetarians, some are flexitarians, which is the new word of just being able to do what they'd like to do with their food, eat vegetarian one night, but have meat and fish in their diet. I think you have to be consciously aware of what your body is telling you. And and that is important. Listen to what your body is telling you and try to react accordingly with the foods you, you take in. But, um, you know, we've seen all different types of diets and food charts and food pyramids. And those were driven by different political agendas and different industries. And I think it's time that we get back to just some sensibility about food in general, about having some balance and enjoying uh, what makes us feel good. So I appreciate the question, though. It doesn't get asked very much. A lot of people are afraid to ask that question uh, because it is very political in nature. But I appreciate you asking it. Listen, everything's political in nature this year. So what can we do, unfortunately? You know, when when everything gets uh, politicized for for no reason, we all lose. And so it's an unfortunate thing. But Jennifer Peters and Matthew Clayton, the Good Flower uh, Company, Good Flower, uh, is it goodflower.co or is it the goodflowercompany.co? Goodflower.co is where we're online. You You can find us there, .co, yeah. Perfect. Listen, thank you so much, both of you, for your time. Congratulations on the business itself. Where can we find you on social social media if we want to connect with you? At goodflower.co. <laughs> F-L-O-U-R. Yeah. You know. F-L-O-U-R, yes. Yes, F-L-O-U-R on Instagram. And I think we have our Facebook still rocking and rolling. And and uh, we're, we're, we're moving in the right direction with all those things. So please come by and take a, take a look at us. And, uh, and if we can be of help, Rob, let us know. We can get you some products sent down right away. I would, I would love that. I'll, I will talk to your PR team and we'll set that up. And we then uh, any restaurants that you guys want to plug or anything, cooking shows, demonstrations that are coming up? Oh, just on our end, we'll be doing some trade shows in the United States and we'll be down in uh, the U.S. probably around uh, just before summertime, doing some different shows down there and, and getting our product, uh, uh, displayed in some different retail accounts. But right now we're just, uh, we're just holding steady and working on production, but appreciate that. And we are going to get you a care package down so you can try everything. I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. And when you are in Southern California for one of the trade shows, please let me know. We'll, we'll get together. You know, I mean, it is a four hour flight from Vancouver to, to Southern California, but hey, you know, you'll be here. I'll be up there at some point. We'll make it happen. 
We'd love that, Rob. Grateful for your time. Thank you very much for having us on. Oh, thank you. You know, health and wellness is something that we really need to pay attention to, and uh, we'll keep it going from there. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you you. so much. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye.